Okay, top. Good morning, everybody. A few words on Rosh Hashanah. Let's go. We're in Elul. There was a mashgiach in Lakewood. I love a shalom. A very holy man. His name was Rav Wachtvogel. He used to come to deal every summer. Remember, my father, I love a shalom, would uh, always stand up for him and kiss his hand. He was a very holy person. And he has... Uh, he has a few books. They wrote down certain things that he taught during the different times of year. So, just want to go over you some, some things he gave over on Rosh Hashanah. It says over here, Hasaba Mekelem Hayahomer. One of the great rabbis. The Saba Mekelem would say, Afilu Malachem Mala. Even angels would not be able to succeed in a bed-din with Hashem. Like it says, What does that mean? That even angels can't come out in God's bed-din Victorious. Why not? Maybe me and you have a lot of problems. But you have a great person. Forget angels. Take a great person. Why can't he come out from the bed din of Hashem Zakai? Why not? Why can't he come out a winner? Why can't he come out a person who earns the proper judgment? Why? Is it that even angels are not able to win in Beddin? Beddin is a place where people come to get what they deserve. That's what Beddin is. I feel you owe me money. You say, I don't owe you money. Let's go to Beddin. Bed-din is not like people think. It's like, you know, I'm going to sue you. That's an that's a American way of going to court where people get upset and send them the legal papers and they don't talk for the rest of their life. That's not what the bed-din is supposed to be. A bed-din is supposed to be where people have an argument. They each believe their side is right. They don't know how to resolve the problem. So they say, let's go to Beddin. Whatever the Beddin says, that's the emet. That's what Beddin is supposed to be. Not that I sue you, the opposite. I think I don't owe you, but you know what? If you say I owe you, maybe I do. Let's go to Beddin to make sure that I don't owe you. Beddin is not meant to be a place where people fight. It's meant to be a place to resolve a conflict in the sense of a disagreement to see who is in the right, who's in the wrong. When people go to Bedin, they're asked questions. So why do you deserve the money? Why don't you have to pay? And each one has to prove why they have zikhut, why they have merit, and why they should be the winner of the case. That's the way it is in a bed-din. 
When you go in front of Hashem, especially on Rosh Hashanah, and you're going to come in with your zechuyot, you're going to come and say, listen Hashem, let me explain to you why I deserve to have a year of life, a year of health, a year of bracha, a year of parnasah. Let me explain to you why. Let me explain to you why I deserve it. I'm here in Bedin. So I'm going to go fight for what I deserve. Such a Bedin, such an attitude in Bedin, you'll never be able to come out on top. Never. Even the angels and all their merit and all their purity, Kulam Ahuvim, they're all beloved. Kulam Berurim, they're all clear. Kulam Giborim. Even they, if they come out from Bedin, they will not be able to say, I deserve. Why not? Because, my dear friends, as you know, let's take for example, We had mothers. Maybe we have mothers for lucky. Would you say that you've paid up all your bills to your parents? So, if you're an honest person, you'd realize that you haven't paid even a little bit. Maybe if you paid a little bit. The bills that you have that you owe your parents are very, very big. First of all, they gave you life. What is that worth? The fact that you're living is worth something. Did you pay up for life yet? They gave you a place to live for many years. They gave you food. They fed you. They bought you clothing. They put you through school. They took you to doctors. They gave you love. They gave you attention. They took you on a trip once in a while. You, you paid the bills yet? Did you pay all those bills? Answer is, of course not. Once in a while, you shovel the snow for your mother. You think you already did her the biggest favor. That's how we do. Look, yeah, young, young, young and even older. Guy calls his mother once a week. He says, I'm a great kid. God forbid, a mother's in the hospital. Where are the kids? And even if they're there, you know, it's hard for them. They're complaining. I have once a week, I have a shift. My brother has other hands. But I've seen a child in a hospital and the mother slept in the hospital room for six months straight. Not six months at night, six months straight. Morning till night in the same hospital. You don't find a kid do, that, doing that. I said, I have family, I got there, I can't, I got yeah, There's all good reasons. I'm not here to complain, I'm just telling you the reality. The reality is that we pay very little to pay back our parents. The bills are very, very, very big, and the payment has been very small. So to come and say, you know, Mom, why don't you give me this? I deserve it. 
you know, the American attitude is I deserve everything. Someone yesterday sent me a message about something and said it's not fair. Yeah. This is a very, very normal American word. Not fair. I deserve it. And it's not fair. This is the voice of so many of us, young and old. It's not fair. I deserve it. How many times has a kid told his mother, my mom, it's not fair. She didn't give him something that he wanted. Not fair. What are you talking about? What's not fair? What's fair? Which, what, 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 who made up fair? The answer is, that this guy thinks he deserves everything for whatever reason. And in fact, not only doesn't pay back, he still thinks they owe him. People walk around thinking their parents owe them. Owe them. Not just that they're not paying enough. They send the parents the bill. You know how lucky you are that I'm your son? Do you understand? That you had the zikhut to have me in your home for so many years? I even let you cook for me? Do, do you understand what kind of merit you had to house the melech, malchem, lachim, the king of kings? You had such a zikhut that you're laughing. Okay, that sounds silly and foolish, but this is actually the attitude that we have. We think our parents were privileged to take care of us. They were privileged to pay our bills. They're privileged to slave over us. So not only do we not pay back, you know, it's one thing you don't pay back and you don't realize you're not paying back. Okay, do your best. But it's another thing when you think that they still owe you more. After 60 years of giving you, now you're waiting for the inheritance. <laughs> you know, do, you, do you know how many 60, 70-year-olds 50-year-olds, 40-year-olds get upset when their parents don't give them something? They gave your brother a house. His was 41 and a half by 100. The one they gave you is 41 and a quarter by 100. Not fair. You think I'm exaggerating? Not fair. I don't understand. What's not fair? What are you talking about? Where is that sick attitude from? This is not, I'm not talking about people in the street that are sick people. I'm talking people here. I'm talking normal people. It's not fair. Where is my money? Your money. Why did it become your money? Where is my house? Where is my car? You know how many 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds are angry at their parents? Because they didn't get them the right car. Not, they got them a car. But it wasn't the right car. Not fair. You think this attitude stops at 18? You think miraculously people stop thinking this way when they're 18? They don't. It continues forever. How many children are upset with their parents? 
because they don't get, get what they deserve. It's a sickness. If you would go to a bed din with your father and mother, you would lose every time. Because they would show you all the bills and they'd show you that you haven't paid much. You guys are in business. You ever get a guy who comes to buy goods from you and you're about to ship the goods, you're very excited. He gave you a $10 million order. The guy in the back over said, are you out of your mind? You're going to ship that guy goods. Why not? Making a lot of money. $10 million, we made $22 million. $3 million. What's, what's the problem? The guy has bills from 1938. He still didn't pay. Every time he has, he has bills from millions of dollars, he comes with a $20,000 check. He's here. And he says, well, I paid. What were, you, what were you paid? You owe millions of dollars. You gave me $20,000. And the guy actually feels he's paying. Doesn't understand why you won't ship him the goods. If you went to bed with your parents, you would see bills and bills and the bills don't stop. And they would see somewhere in the bottom that you paid very, very, very little. Once in a while, you, you call them. Once in a while, you, you give them a nice card. Once in a while, what did you do for your parents? What did you do? You only gave them headaches. What did you, what did you do for that? <laughs> Once in a while, they get older. You take care of them. You have the zechut. When they get older, take care of them, to help them, to pay something for them. Sometimes, when they get older, but for 50, 60, 70 years, most children almost do nothing for their parents. Again, this is not about a complaint. This is a reality. So if you go to your parents and say, I deserve this, you're going to lose every time. Now, let's talk about the creator of the world. How much do you owe him? What do you think? Parents is like, a drop in the bucket what you owe the creator of the world. You're going to go to Bed-Din on Rosh Hashanah and say, Hashem, I deserve. You know, how much, you know how much charity I gave this year? You should give me. Look how much I give. I wake up in the mornings, I pray, I learn. You think that pays the bills? For every moment of life and breathing and all the pleasures that Hashem gave you and all the things that He's giving us every second, His kindness is nonstop. You think you could ever pay the bill? Of course not. Not even close. So when you come to Bentin and say, Hashem, I deserve. I deserve it. Maybe we don't say those words, but a lot of us feel that. A lot of us feel, you know, it's an unbelievable thing. I have to, I have to share this with you. It, it, it gave me a lot of clarity. A few years back, I went to a shiva. I went to visit somebody who had a, I would call it a tragedy, a mild tragedy. Probably no tragedy is mild. To the person who's in it. So let's call it a tragedy. This person, I know him very well. And I know, really, in the world of doing mitzvot, 
in the world of Torah and mitzvot is uh, what you would say almost zero. Almost zero. Shabbat, not really. Kashrut, Fashonat. Is uh, to- Torah learning not even on the radar? All the things that you would look at a guy who was off the derech, this guy was that guy. Wasn't a bad person. Just had no, does nothing in his life in that area. I went to visit him. I sat down, sit down by Navil, you don't talk, let him talk. He doesn't want to talk, you don't talk. Some people get upset, how come he's not talking to you? He said, you're not, you're, not the, you're not the focus here. He's the focus, not you. What are you getting upset for? So I went to the guy, he didn't open his mouth. That's what you went for. You went to be present. He wants to talk to you, he'll open his mouth first. Usually by Beit Avel, you don't talk first. You don't come in, hey, it's great to see you. Let me tell you, oh, your, your father, your mother, you don't know. Relax. It's not, it's not, it's not your show over here. You're here, you're here for them. If he wants to talk to you, you want to sit there for five minutes sometimes and there's silence. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but that's what it is. Let the person speak. Let him say what he wants to say. And then you could start talking. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. He says, Rabbi, I don't understand. Why do I deserve this? Now, I have to be honest. I'll tell you what I was thinking. I didn't tell him this. I'm thinking, why do you deserve this? I tell him, I was going to tell him, how many reasons do you want? Why do you deserve this? Here's a man, I'm telling you, he does nothing. In the world of Torah, means what? Nothing. Not charitable, he's not nothing. And he's asking, what did he do to deserve this? You could write, Pages of what he did or didn't do to deserve it. But, but, it seems to be the normal human mindset. What did your 18-year-old deserve? What did he do to deserve that con? What did he do? Nothing. But in his mind, it's so obvious. You have to know, this is a human sickness. That people feel deserving when they're absolutely not deserving. It's not even close. It's not like, you know, right there. Your 18-year-old has done nothing except give you headaches. Nothing. Just give you headaches. Once in a while, you look at him or his picture, you say, oh, so cute. He feels like he gave you a lot. Because he's very cute and he made you happy. He thinks that you're... Have a zechut to have him in your home. But he did nothing, almost nothing for you. And yet he thinks he deserves not just a drive, not just a car, but he deserves a specific kind of car at the right time. Unbelievable. Where's that come from? It's a sickness. And all of us have that same, we'll call it challenge. Here's the guy. He's telling me, what did he do to deserve it? What did I do? Can't believe it. What don't you believe? We don't live reality. We walk around as if we're deserving and we walk around very often that life isn't fair. When you feel deserving, so it's never fair because you never get what you deserve. 
You're going to go to Beth Din in front of Hashem on Rosh Hashanah and you say, Hashem, look what I do. Look what I do. I learn, I give, I pray, I keep Shabbat, I keep kosher, I did, I'm, I'm the biggest tzaddik. Even the Malach Hashem cannot come out in Beth Din if he's coming to Beth Din to get what he deserves. If on Rosh Hashanah you want to come to get what you deserve, you're going to walk out a loser. You'll walk out embarrassed. You'll walk out without the berachah that you want and looking for. That's what he's telling you. Even angels cannot stand in a beddin. So he says, Ve'im ken ma'ne'ayne anan. Oh, so, so what should we do? Okay, well, we're going to court. What should we do? We were called into the court. We didn't ask to go to court. You're calling us in, so what should we do? If I'm going to court and I can't say I deserve, so what am I going for? Amar Asava, like this, what a beautiful thing to keep in mind. He says, If you come in as an individual, then you are in danger. Just remember, Rosh Hashanah is the day that decides any issue you ever had in during the year that just passed, any problem you had, anything you had, was all Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a day where everything is decided. If you walk in as an individual, you're in danger. Aval Hatsibur Batuah. So important to know this. But you should know that the Tsibur, what Tsibur means? Klal, the Klal Yisrael, as a nation, as a group, Batuah, which means, as a group, we are guaranteed. Batuah means it's for sure that you're going to come out with all the biracha that you need. Who the tzibur is. The tzibur will have a good judgment. But individuals don't. Tzibur muftah lo kayam. A tzibur is guaranteed to get what he needs. Ve'im adam uhelek me'a tzibur. If the person is part of the tzibur, hu batuah, you can be very, very comfortable and you can rest assured that you'll be good. What's he saying? He's saying that if you come into Rosh Hashanah as an individual with your own merit, then you're going to be a loser. But if you come into Rosh Hashanah as a person who's part of Klal Yisrael, if you come together with Klal Yisrael, then you're going to be a winner. What does it mean to come in as part of Klal? What does that mean? To be part of Klal? How am I coming in? What should I do? Hold hands with people? What does that mean? It means that you're needed. When we talk, when we talk about Klal Israel, we don't talk about the, the guy in Yerushalayim or <laughs> the guy in the Tiberia. Or the guy in Africa, or the people. Let's talk about the Kalal Israel in our lives. 
our families, our friends, the people that we see every day, these beautiful people that every day that we get to spend a few minutes with, the people in your business, the people that you are around, what is it, 100 people, 200 people, 1,000 people, those people are your Klal Yisrael. Are you part of Klal Yisrael? Do you feel a connection? Do you feel a responsibility when you see somebody to make that person elevated and happy? Do you give to people who need you? Give your money, give your time. Do you take the opportunities to pray for Am Yisrael? Notice in our Amidah, we always play, pray plural. We don't say Refa'eni, Hashem, heal me. No, no, no. Refa'enu, heal us. When you pray, do you pray only for your success? Do you pray for the success of all the people? Usually we like to pray for our own success because part of our success is that others are not successful. That's, that's what the reality. We want one up. We want to have a, an edge. We want to have an edge with money. We want to have an edge with real estate. We want to have an edge even religiously. Even religiously. If that's your currency, there's a yet said out to want to have the edge. And I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to belittle you. That's what Cain did to heaven. Cain, he was the first person to think of how to bring a thank you note to Hashem. He brought a korban. Cain and Eva were both trying to see what can we pay Hashem? What can we do for him? Cain brought a korban, the first person. What it's, it says, when Hevel saw his brother bring a korban, he said, oh, that's a great idea. I'll bring a korban too. He brought a korban. Says the Midrash, Hashem accepted Hevel, not Cain. You know why? Because Cain was Rodef. He was coming against Hevel. Where do we see in the Pasuk that Cain was coming against Hevel? He brought the korban first. Where do you see Cain was coming to attack Hevel? The answer is, Cain thought of a great idea how to thank Hashem. Why didn't he share it with his brother Hevel? Why did he say, Hevel, I have a great idea? You know, we want to do something for Hashem. Why don't we give up something of ourselves? It's true, he doesn't need it. But when we give up something of ourselves, doesn't that mean something? We're giving him our heart. It's not the animal that he needs. It's not the fruits that he needs. He needs our heart. How do we show him that we're going to give him our heart? Let's give him something that's important to us. Why didn't he tell Hevel that? Why did Cain bring a korban and not tell anybody? You know why? Because not only he wanted to do the right thing, he wanted to be on top. He wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the religious guy. You're not as religious as I am. You're not as learned as I am. It's great to be the most religious guy, but there's no need to try to be more than others. The opposite. You should try to bring others close and be with you. But we have this competitiveness to us that it's not only good enough to, you know, it's important to have money, but it's not important to have more money. 
It's important to be very, very observant, but it's not important to be more than others. That's not important. But unfortunately in life, we measure ourselves all the time. Are we more or less? Are we the same? That's not important. What's important is who you are and what you have. Whether it's finance, whether it's real estate, whether it's your home, whether it's your children. What's important is what you have, not what others have below you. So what does it mean to be part of Kal Israel? It means that you pray for people, honestly. And it means you care for them. If they need your help, you step up. You don't say, oh, I can't believe it. Guy called me. I, I can't do it. Supposed to be drinking on my couch tonight. Uh, I don't have time. What are you doing tonight? What are you doing? Why can't you help them? Sometimes you can. Sometimes you're too busy. You can't. It's true. Sometimes you don't have the money to help. It's true. But very often we have the time. We have the money. We just don't care enough. If it was our brother, our sister, we would do it. Unfortunately, sometimes our own brothers, we won't do it. But it's someone like our own family, our own son, we would do it. Could do it. You could do more. Do you treat people like they're your family? Do you do your best to include them in the opportunities? You have a good situation happening. Bring somebody. Here you come to learn every morning. Every morning. Most people here are coming to learn and they enjoy it. They enjoy it. Not only do they enjoy it, they're doing a mitzvah. They're making something special out of their life. One of the ways that you care for Klal Israel is you see somebody, say, why don't you come tomorrow? Now, of course, a lot of times say, who am I? Me? Who am I? All of a sudden, we become very humble. Who am I? I should invite people to go. Yes. Who are you? You're part of Klal Israel. If you see somebody not learning tomorrow, we should theoretically triple over here. Each guy brings two people. If you have something good, share it. Why are you going to learn and you don't tell people? Why don't you bring people along? You have an opportunity for somebody. Sometimes financial opportunity. It's not going to hurt you. Help them. What is it hurry to help him? If it's going to hurt you, okay, I understand. It's not going to hurt you. Help the guy. To be part of Klal Yisrael means to feel that you're not an individual. To feel that you're part of a bigger machine. Of course you got to take care of yourself because your first obligation is to yourself. Of course you have to take care of yourself. There's no question about that. That's your first obligation is to yourself. But that doesn't negate your obligation to others. Sometimes we think means it's all about me. It doesn't mean that. It means that if you have time, if you have a minute, and you need that minute, and your friends need that minute, you give your minute to yourself. Like the Gemara says, if you have a guy, two people in the desert, and one of them has water, and it's only enough for one guy. If they share it, they both die. What should he do? Should he share it and die together? Or should he drink it? Answer is, he should drink it himself. Uh, why him? Why? Answer is, because not because you're not responsible for him. Because you're responsible for yourself first. But if you have two cups of water, and you could satisfy you and him, then you're responsible. 
We are responsible for our people. That's right, we're responsible for them. You come in the morning and you see a guy in the hallway and you can make his day sometimes by giving him, is it a nice shirt? I like your glasses, I like your haircut. Good morning, nice to see you. Sometimes it takes a second, it's a word. Sometimes it's opening the door. Sometimes giving up your chair. So many little things that happen, I could tell you, thousands of times a day, not once, not twice, thousands of times a day. If you felt responsible for the guy next to you, you'd, you'd do something a little different. You'd look at him a little different. You'd talk to him a little different. You'd connect him a little differently. You have to know, if you are a person who only thinks about himself all day long, if that's all that matters to you is yourself, you're going to go to Rosh Hashanah, there's nothing there for you. Because you're coming in on your own merit. On your own merit, you got nothing doing there. But if you come in as part of the people, how do you become in part of the people? Because you pray for them. Because you think about them. Because any opportunity to help them, you step up. Any wedding you can go to, make guy happy, you go. You don't do it begrudgingly. You don't complain. You go and you say, I'm happy. I can make a guy happy. It's his wedding. I'm going to be a part of his happiness. Of course, I'm going to go. To be happy for people when they make money, it's not so easy. But to, be, to have that attitude, to realize that it's not going to work when you live your life only for yourself. You have to be part of the cloud. You can't succeed as an individual. I'm just going to finish off. I'm going to read you a Zohan. And with this Zohan, I end. So everybody here can learn a little Zohar today. The Zohar brings a story of the Shunamit. It was a woman, they call her Shunamit from a place called Shunem. And she was a very, very kind woman, a tzaddeket. Elisha, the Navi, used to go from city to city to teach, to give rebuke. And he ended up in this city. The woman saw the Navi is there. What she do? Most people, they go get a bracha. This woman, besides getting a bracha, I said, well, Hazid, what is he going to eat? What is he going to sleep? So they, they built a room in the attic just for Elisha when he comes into town to make sure he's comfortable. It says over there that Elisha told his helper, Gehazi, he told him, Kerala shunamita zot, kola. He says, Vayomer, he says, tell her like this. He says, you did so much for us. Look what you did. You built an attic. Could you imagine building a third floor for a guest? It's one thing to take a guest if you have a third floor. But to build a third floor for a guest that might come, that's a big item. Say, sister, you did a lot for us. What can I do for you? Imagine Elisha and Navi, the student of Eliyahu and Navi. What can I do for you? Can I speak to the king for you? It's close to the king. Can I speak to the king? But Tomer, and she says, He says, I live amongst my people. What was the question? What was the answer? Can I talk to the king for you? And she says, I live amongst my people. What, what does that mean? What's the conversation? Says the Zohar, listen to this unbelievable Zohar. 
says the Zohar, come and look. He says, When there's deen in the world, when there's a judgment, when you're in court, he says a person should not want his name mentioned. Don't have them mention your name. He says, because if they mention your name, if you come in individually, they're going to check all your records. If they check your records, so you're done. Says the, says the Zohar, where do we learn it from? He says, this story. He says, that day that Elishat spoke to this woman was Rosh Hashanah. When he says, can I speak to the king? So Hashem. I mean, can I put in a special prayer for you? Can I speak to the king for you? Can I have a special, I'm going to open the echal for you. Can I do it for you? She says, Please, do me a favor. Don't get me in trouble. Don't single me out. Pray for me with everybody else. Don't single me out. I want to come in with everybody else. I want to be part of Klaalisa. Now, just to say those words, not enough. But like I told you, we have now a week. And it should continue for the year. That our life, should not be only focused on ourselves. Yes, we're responsible first for ourselves. And take care of yourself. But you got to feel the responsibility for people around you, for their well-being, for their health, for their mitzvot, for their Torah, for their business, for everything. If you can do something for another person, you're not just doing kindness. You are becoming part of Klal Yisrael. And when you're part of Klal Yisrael, you walk into bed din and you're batuah. Your judgment is a whole different judgment. It's a whole different attitude towards you. Nothing greater than helping people. If you have an opportunity to be part of some organization or part of being needed by the Jewish people. Give charity. Give people as give as many people as you can money. Help people. Because the more you're needed, the more you become part of Klal Israel. And when you're part of Klal Israel, because you pray, because you give, because you do, you come into a bed dean in a whole different way. This is the advice of great people. We should be zocher to consistently live as part of Kali Israel. Amen. Have a beautiful day.